You can't preach on Ecclesiastes 3 uh, without uh, showing that clip. And so, now sadly enough, I checked uh, Footloose is not on Hulu, Netflix, it's not on Amazon Prime. So, you know, I think the best, you, best I could do at my house was a buck ninety nine from Amazon to rent it. So if you have to go home and watch it this week, go ahead and do that. Um, but there, uh, obviously we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're in chapter 3, talking about seasons. There was a season of time where Footloose, the Burbs, Harry and the Hendersons, Turner and Hooch, like those movies were like good movies, right? Have you ever tried showing some of those old movies to your kids? One, like PG is like not PG back then. PG-13 is not PG, like it was, anyways. The other thing is they don't hold their attention at all. Like they, they start watching them and they get bored like, like at the beginning and they're done with these movies. These, so, but there was a season when those were the, like the hit movies. I'm sure Footloose won awards, right? Or uh, there was a season, and I, I hate to admit this, but there was a season where I listened to exclusively Country music, right? How many of you are country music fans? Whoa, all right. Scratch that joke out too. Um, okay. Just got to like, I'm going to wing it today. Um, no, I actually introduced my kids to some of that country music this week when we were rolling in the car. Uh, if you were here at the beginning of service on time, uh, you would have heard the song, The Birds, right? Turn, turn, turn. Like that was a... Uh, a, a chart topper back in the day, and that actually caught a lot of flack because there was this very secular band singing scripture, and Christians were like, what? No, they can't have our Bible, you know, like, and I'm like, man, that's great. Like, they're actually getting people to, like, say scripture out loud, which is a good thing, right? Um, but there are seasons and rhythms to all of our lives. Uh, my wife calls mine addictions. Uh, there's a season where I just recently went through. Uh, it's confession time for me, and so don't judge me. I do not judge you. Uh, where I was logging in and playing Pokemon Go like every single day. <laughs> On my phone, I was catching the Pokemon. Uh, I've since kind of gone away from that a little bit. Um, and don't judge me, right? Uh, uh, there was also, there now, now I've just got a new, what my wife calls are my addictions now. Um, I am uh, entering into where my 13 year old son is right now. And so we're really getting into magic and not like the pull the bunny out of the hat magic, uh, magic, the gathering cards, right? And so don't judge me again. It's a card game, but, um, I'm playing that with him. But we all go through seasons in our life. He leads a group in the middle schoolers, and, and so I'm kind of entering and just supporting him with that and uh, doing that. But we, we have these seasons that we go through in our lives, uh, seasons where maybe we find ourselves really busy and running really hard at life. Uh, and for most of us, maybe we can't relate to this, but there's also seasons where uh, the pace slows quite a bit, and there's a relaxing season that maybe enters in, right? There are seasons where it seems like, man, I can't get anything done, or uh, I'm not able to get anything done, and then there are seasons where it feels like, man, I'm, I'm conquering the world, right? One of my favorite uh, sayings comes from my father-in-law. Uh, this is a great one that I use often. He uses often for us. He says, there's a reason why God designed younger people to have kids, 
right? Because he's like, I can't handle, that's his way of saying, I can't handle your kids. Um, and and then, then God also created the ability for the older type people to watch the kids, spoil the kids, and then send them home, right? The, the role of a grandparent, uh, for sure. Um, but around, around here, uh, you may not, may not believe it here in, in, like I talked about with the kids here in Whatcom County, there are actually seasons of weather, uh, right? There's, there's, there's summer, winter, spring, and fall seasons. Now here we get like, I mean, oftentimes you can get uh, winter still, like still snow in April, right? The last few years we've gotten snow in April, but we've also gotten summer sun in March, Right? Uh, and so uh, it's kind of thrown off. Uh, if you don't know my story, I worked at Costco for 15 years, and uh, the seasons are all messed up at Costco, right? You go to Costco, you get swimsuits in January, and you get Christmas in August, right? Like the Christmas trees start showing up, and they get it all flipped around. Uh, there are seasons where maybe you have kids in your house, uh, and they are... Uh, they're just, you're so focused on them, you're running crazy, you're driving them to all their sporting events and all that kind of stuff because they can't drive and they can't get anywhere on their own. There, there's seasons where at night they do everything to convince you that they want to be with you solely so they don't have to go to bed, right? Like, like oh, I'd love to watch a show and cuddle with you. You know, it's like, you just don't want to go to bed. But then there's seasons where it seems like they're grabbing at the car keys heading out and doing all they can to avoid the interaction uh, and coming home late. And, um, and, and then there's even seasons of emptiness. The kids have gone and moved on uh, in life. There's seasons of youthfulness and excitement and agility. And then there's seasons of aches and pains and sore backs, uh, days where you can barely get out of bed, right? Uh, and and then, there, then there are no more days sometimes. Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3, 3, 1, and 2, he says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. There's the end of those days. Right? The Bible also says that God has numbered our days. He has numbered our days here on earth, so we must take advantage of the days that we have here on earth for his plan. And that's what Solomon has been focusing in on these last two chapters. Uh, if you haven't been around, I actually posted the last two chapters of sermons online. Uh, it's been a while since I've done that, but uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 are on the website. You can go listen to them, but that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at this idea of Solomon and what he's been saying about what is meaningless and what isn't meaningless and taking advantage of the lessons he's learned to focus in on the things in our life that have meaning and purpose. And so for us this morning, it is no different. Solomon wants, to, wants us to focus again on what is meaningful and what God and how he works uh, in our lives. And so my, my, my question or my statement for you or my challenge for you is to assess what is meaningful in your life. We talked about it like week one. I think we asked the question, uh, you know, what does meaningful mean? And then last week we asked the question, what is meaningful to you? And today I want to start by saying, have you assessed your, uh, what is meaningful? Have you taken the opportunity? We're now three weeks into this series. Have you taken the time to look at your life and ask yourself and assess what 
what is it that, you're, that has meaning? What is it that you're focusing on in your life? And sometimes that can be hard to do. But I often think that we can uh, do it relatively easy. But it's hard oftentimes to actually look and come up with that outcome and receive that outcome. You know, one of the ways you can do that is where do you spend most of your time? Where is it that you spend most of your time? What do you do with your time? Right? I mean, for a lot of us adults, it's working. But how are you working? Or where do you spend most of your resources? Right? You can look at your bank account and you can look at the things that you spend money on. Heather would say that I invest heavily in Amazon. Right? Like that is where I, and I actually spend a decent amount of time on Amazon looking at things as well. Um, but where do you spend your time and where do you spend your resources? And that will lead you to some of the things that are meaning, that have the highest meaning in your life. And then you have to assess, how do you operate in those areas? Is it, are you operating in a biblical way? Is, is God directing that time? Or is that something that you're just kind of doing, doing on your own, as we've talked about? Solomon says, we're going to go through these seasons. Uh, we're not going to get to them all. Um, obviously, it'd be, I mean, I, I don't even know how many of them there are, seven, eight, nine, ten of them. But we're going, to, we're going to hopefully touch base on some ones that I feel really hit home for me. Uh, we're not going to touch base on them all, and that's when your pro-apt guide comes into play, right? So if you haven't been around, we've got this pro-apt guide. It's up here on the stage. It's back in the back by the Welcome Center. It's also back on the back table on your way out. We've been doing this where you take, so we're in chapter 3 this week. So hopefully you've had the opportunity last week to read through chapter 3 and walk through this pro-app guide. Pray, read, observe, apply, pray, and then tell somebody about it. So this is just a great, disciple, easy discipleship tool. We've been using it in our small group, and it works really well. I encourage you to pick one up. Uh, take it home and do chapter 4 for next week in anticipation for next week, right? So, uh, so to start, Ecclesiastes, the end of verse 1 and 2. Uh, a time to plant and a time to uproot. Now, if you've been around at all, the last handful of months, we just went through the series Buried, where we talked about burying things and having them be sprout up to life. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time here. But uh, for some of us, uh, I would say because of the season that we just came out of, because of Easter, because of uh, this Buried series that we are in, because of... Uh, maybe some decisions you've made or decisions that have come down the pipeline in your life, you have, uh, there's now growth. Something new is going on. Something new is stirring in your heart. And, and I would say that that is what this is. This is that time to plant in, in the time to bring growth. And maybe for you, you're not in that spot. Maybe you feel like, man, you've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, things have been hard. Things have been difficult. Uh, and, and maybe it's either a time to, uh, you know, just hold tight and allow the roots to take base and allow something to grow that just hasn't grown yet. Maybe it's too new. Or maybe it's time to uproot. Maybe it's time to just take out the weeds that are there and, and, and toss them in the pile. We've got a big yard, yard pile in our backyard that I invested in heavily uh, the other day and, and grew that. Maybe it's time to just rip some of that stuff up and throw it in the waste, right? And then out of that comes some fresh and new growth. 
If not, I want to encourage you to, if, if you're not in that season of new growth, I want to encourage you to just really kind of dive in. This ProApp Guide is a great idea. Dive into what God um, has for you. All right, the next one, the next series of uh, seasons are Ecclesiastes 3, 3 through 5. Um, there is a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. See, I wanted to kind of dive into this idea of a time to kill and a time to heal a little bit. Um, it's not too attractive to talk about that sort of idea, but here's the reality is that uh, the re- reality is that death and killing is inevitable. It is inevitable. Uh, it's a part of life under the sun, a part of life here on earth, and human life has uh, taken to war and uh, execution of justices. Uh, and if you remember back in this time where this was written, uh, it was a different time back then. Uh, animals were sacrificed at the temple rituals. Uh, the penalty of death was way more prominent for things that happened and sins. Uh, and sin was the ultimate reason why death entered into the world. So, if you think about it, inevitably, it was only a matter of time before man became had a process in it. Um, God himself ordered uh, the killing of the Israeli armies uh, and the sacrifices to the point where he got to the perfect sacrifice, which was uh, his son as he gave Jesus on behalf of all of us into this idea. So although Solomon is really kind of drawing contrasts here, it's worth noting that both Killing and healing, breaking down and building up often go hand in hand as part of the process. Now, not, and you'll hear me get into this a little bit more. It's, this, this isn't a list that God condones, like we, we kill and we also build up when we do this. This is just a list, just a list that Solomon, and we'll even look at it as we get into it a little bit more. Uh, but if you think about it, it's maybe even a list that's way more or maybe more spiritual than, for you than it is physical. Right? Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Death and life. Right? Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now this is this idea, this idea of um, um, living according to the flesh, uh, put to death your earthly nature. This is, this is what Solomon is referring to as under the sun, like the sun that's bright and sunshiny today. He's saying put to death those things, right? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is adultery. Those are pretty self-explanatory verses, right? Put to death the things that are not of God, that are under the sun, and pick up the things, build up the things that are under the sun, Jesus, under his lordship in our lives, right? But what got me about these specific three verses in here was an idea of 
what happened is going through my pro-app Bible, is, or pro-app Bible study, I was like, man, what don't I understand in this, in these three verses? Like, I want to understand, you know, I mean, there's things that Solomon lists in all these things that I'm like, I have no idea what that means. So what happened to me is I, I, I focused on a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them together. Those two lines specifically spoke to me. And so I kind of dove into both of those. And there was quite a wide arrangement of ideas around those two things. Uh, there was a pretty prominent view that the scattering and gathering of stones had, had to do with uh, a, a relational and sexual tie into. But then there was also a big camp of people that uh, focused in on what, uh, what we're going to talk about today. And it struck me uh, and kind of wrecked my idea or more convicted me of this is this idea to tear down and build up. To, gather, to scatter stones and to gather stones. Again, uh, this was a different time and place. Um, I myself, I don't have a box to put in the gathering of stones. I wasn't like a rock collector. Uh, but Micah, my eight-year-old, is a rock collector. And so I started looking at the idea of Micah being a rock collector, and I still got nothing. Um, He's got a nice collection of rocks. We looked at the rocks, and I was like, oh, I still don't get it. Uh, I can't tie that in. So I, so I just dove in even deeper. And if you remember, uh, all, all throughout the Old Testament, uh, oftentimes when things happened, wars, accomplishments, uh, big, big, big lessons to be taught by God, uh, they would erect monuments. They would build altars. They would build reminders in their life as to what happened so they could remember uh, that moment, right? Moses erected an unhewn um, altar to to remember what God had taught him. And so, and, 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 and it got me thinking, I don't, it's not untrue for us today as well. Like we, as a society, as a culture, build monuments to things. Right? 9-11, the monument at 9-11, right? If you haven't been there, I haven't been there, but it's, I heard it's pretty amazing to go there. But that is a reminder as to what happened. So we can remember, right? Or the Statue of Liberty, right? The Statue of Liberty uh, was erected in 1886 to commemorate the end of the U.S. Civil War, um, and, and, and what I found out, it even said there's broke, I haven't been there either, but there's broken shackles at the feet of the Statue of Liberty to symbolize the, uh, the abolition of, of, of slavery, right? And so, um, and then near the 20th century, the statue stood as a hope and a promise of a new beginning, right? People would see that statue and they'd be like, ah, oh, there's hope, right? And so that was put up. Right? There's the Washington Monument, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. I got a chance to go to uh, Bunker Hill and do the Freedom Trail in, in, in Boston. And, and that, those are things that were put together for us to remember. Monuments that were built so that we could remember what, what had happened. And so I got to thinking about it. How does this impact me? How does it impact you and me personally in our lives? These are great monuments we, I wasn't around when these things happened, but I can remember it. But how does this uh, impact me? And it led me down to this idea of what are the monuments that I build up in my lives, in my life? 
What are the things that I've erected, that I've put in place so that I can remember, so that I'm reminded of something? And I, and I, found, my, I found myself at a point where I, in thinking about this, there were more monuments that I have built in my life around things that were untrue and lies that were told to me than there were things erected of, of the greatness of things that I've accomplished in my life. I just found that to be overwhelmingly true. So I don't know if that, it was actually kind of sad for me. I was like, oh, you know, I mean, there's things that I'm often reminded of, 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 Things that ever said that I adapted, things that were told to me that I put on my shoulders, and things that just over and over people have said to me that I then, I, what I've done is I built this monument in my life to be reminded that that's who I am. I don't know if I'm the only one, but maybe for you in your life, things over the time have you built up these monuments in your lives that, that are untrue that aren't truth and aren't what God desires or what God says about you. Like, maybe it is I just haven't taken the time to get around to it of the truth that God says about me and what he desires for me and what he wants for me. Church, I mean, it is so incredibly real. I, 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 I think you can relate to this because, I mean, just yesterday for me, something was said to me and it has been on the front of my mind ever since. And, it's, and, it, and I just got that vision, that symbolization of me. If, if, if I allow that to be truth in my life, it's like I'm picking up that rock and I'm setting it on a monument. And it's getting bigger. And sooner or later, that becomes the dominant view. Everything else is in the background. Everything else is, 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 is drawn out, is, is lost because this has become the big thing in my life. It wasn't the, the truth of you are loved. It wasn't the truth of well done, good and faithful servant. The towers were far higher and way more lights on the things that I don't want to believe about myself in my life than it was the things that, uh, that God says that you are my child. You are uh, forgiven. You are accepted. Those were like kind of in the back. I did some weed whacking yesterday and that's, God laid that on my heart. I was weed whacking and uncovering like a lot of stuff and I thought, man, this is it. Like, this is it. Like, we gotta get in there and, and get rid of the weeds and the things that have drawn everything out and get past these big monuments that we've built in our life. And I think in these verses, Solomon doesn't switch. Like, he doesn't go, he's been personal. He's been like, sit down and have a cup of coffee with me personal. And this, it doesn't change in this verse. Like, he doesn't talk about all the monuments, like the Statue of Liberty and the, and, you know, and the different things that we've erected in the Old Testament. He's getting personal. And he wants us to get personal as well around these ideas. And that's why in there it is that time to build and time to tear down things in your life. Tear down what you have built in your life. And build a monument of truth in your life. Tear down the things that you have constructed and allowed to be constructed in your life so that you can build a monument of truth that is far greater and bigger and more prominent 
than any of those other things in your life. All right. Sorry. Moving on. Ecclesiastes 6 through 8. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Now, on that, there's the morning time and the tearing time. Uh, and it, it, it may simply mean the wisdom of knowing the proper time to speak and not to speak. I mean, this, this could be the tied into both of those um, um, ideas in the New Testament. James says to guard your tongue. And Paul says uh, for us to guard our speech. Jesus emphasized this wisdom when he stands before Pontius Pilate. And, uh, and he, has, he has no words to say in that, Right? But it's important to note that Solomon is not advocating or approving all of these things. He is basically, he's simply recording them as part of human experience for us. Right? The experience of war and peace is grounded in the emotions of love and hate. Right? There's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The experience of war and peace is grounded in that same idea of love and hate. And this principle takes up and is perfected by Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where the, idea of the, the ideas of sin, whether it's rooted in murder and adultery and all those things that we, that, that we struggle with in our lives, those are manifested in, inside of us before they're put into action. Love and hate going to war and finding peace. And what spoke to me here is there is a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. Out of that section, this is what spoke to me. And this is this balance of giving and receiving in our lives, right? There's a kind of uh, very active approach and passive approach to this activity and passivity in this. And that one uh, that, that we need to understand is the, the role that both of those play in our lives. And what intrigued me the most was this, was this wrestling between receiving and giving that we, I think, naturally have in our lives. And I've come out of, just even recently in these last three, three, two or three years, this idea of receiving and the idea of giving. Both of those have been huge parts of the last handful of years in my life, of which I've learned some amazing things in, in wrestling with this idea. The idea of the passive idea and active and passive idea of gaining and giving. Right? Giving away and losing and keeping. It reveals this exchange uh, that we all go through uh, in life. Sometimes uh, there are within our control and sometimes they're outside of our control, right? Uh, things on this earth under the sun can be gone in a moment's notice. If any of you have lost a loved one before their time, you know this to be incredibly true. That in a moment's notice, our days are numbered and we could be without any more, right? Or the idea of things that we construct and build up in our lives, maybe around a job or finances or bank account, uh, they can be gone. A crash in the market or uh, a heart, like, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what the saying is, but like you're, you're like, you could be two paychecks away from like poverty oftentimes in our lives. Right? That we fall on some financial hardships, some health issues, and all of a sudden our finances are gone. We don't have them anymore. 
and this idea or this exchange of giving and taking. But, but more than that is the idea of our vulnerability uh, and being a part of the process of all those things, of the giving and receiving of things. Right? The whole idea of Solomon in this is that we would gain, like we would gain things, but uh, be prepared to lose them. That we would keep things, like we would build things up and, and even like kind of focus on that in a season of time, but then we'd be prepared to give them away. Be prepared to share them. Right? John Wesley says, gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Right? Wesley was a, was a huge theologian, and, and that was what his quote uh, um, Dave Ramsey has another one. Live like no one else today so that you can live like no one else today, tomorrow, right? Live like no one else today so you can give like no one else. And so that's that idea of, of, of gaining but also being loose-handed with it and allowing God to kind of lead you into a season where he's even maybe asking you to give things away, to be open-handed with it. Right? This has giving and receiving as an understanding in this. And for some, it's much harder to give because we feel like what we're giving away is ours. We've worked really hard to build up this whatever it may be, whether it be finances, whether it be money, whether it be other resources in our lives, our material items. We've, we've worked really hard for this stuff. Why would I be willing to be open-handed and give it away? Right? And I think the struggle for us in a real way is, 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 is the idea of not only being willing to give it away, but also receive from people. I think oftentimes we, uh, we, um, we find it hard to receive from people. We find it hard to even admit that we need something from somebody, right? Maybe just me. But when I went through my injury uh, on the trampoline, like I struggled with receiving as much as you guys gave. And that, I think that's just a real thing. And I think for us, um, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing, because here's the deal. God actually designed it that way, that we couldn't actually weather this all on our own. Like, we needed other people. We needed other believers. We needed people to support us. Like, he didn't... He didn't send us down here for us all to be isolated and do this all on our own. Like he, he wants us to do it together. So wrestle with the idea of both giving and receiving. Wrestle with the idea of being able to be open-handed with all that God's blessed you with, but also be very vulnerable enough to receive when you're in that season, when there's an offer. God has appointed a time for everything. And he has made a plan and he laid it out for us. Now, God did this, right? He appointed this time and made it so that man wouldn't know the plan. Right? It says uh, in the Bible, it says that no one knows the timing and the plans of God. Right? We can't fathom it. It even says it in Ecclesiastes. Uh, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on human race. 
He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of man. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God is hard to fathom in the way that he works. And if, you've, if you understand it, man, share it with me. But he does that so that we would trust in him. So that we would put faith in him. That whatever season that you face, whatever you've got going on in your life, you would trust him in that season. You would have faith in him in that season. He has made everything beautiful in its time. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. It's all from God. We've got to trust him in it. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him, will trust him, will put faith in him in any of those seasons that they're going through in their lives. God makes beautiful. I know it's not even like a real constructed sentence. I did it on purpose. God makes beautiful in every season. God makes beautiful in every season if we put our faith and trust in him. Whatever that you're facing, whatever you're going through in life, God wants it to be beautiful and wants to bring beauty out of it. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those that earnestly seek him must believe that he exists, must believe and put their faith and trust in who he is. Matthew, in Matthew, when Jesus kind of is, is challenging, is pushing his disciples forward, he says, Jesus then said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. You must deny, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. You must deny the things of you, your earthly flesh, your desires under the sun, the sun, not the sun, right? You must deny that stuff and take up the cross and follow him. I'm going to close with this. I heard it in, in uh, preached from one of the other campuses this week, and it really kind of, uh, this last week, it really kind of struck me. Solomon, Solomon, if you remember last week, we came up the list of things that Solomon was chasing. He said, hey, he sat down and he said, these are the things I tried. They don't lead to what you want. Here's my list. He said, I chased laughter and fun, wine, property, nature, importance, wealth, music, sex, accomplishment. Right? And we talked in and of themselves, those are not bad things. But he said, I tried to chase after those things. Those are the things that I counted. Those are the things that I amassed. Those are th the things that I built up in my life. And in doing that, I realized that those weren't the things that I desired. That isn't what I wanted in my life. And Solomon closes out the first handful of verses in Ecclesiastes 3 with a different list. Listen to the things that we've looked at that Solomon is counting now that he's measuring. He's measuring beauty and birth. He's measuring death and that life is lived. He's measuring new beginnings, new uh, fruit, new sprouting of, of life. Right? With Rin McCormick, 
It's Kevin Bacon in Footloose. He's measuring dancing. Joyful dancing and singing and praising. Right? He's counting meaningful relationships in that they include tears and laughter and hugging. If you need a hug, ask Ben. Ben loves to hug. There's a time to refrain from embracing, just saying. No. Um, Ben is a hugger. I'm a hugger too, though, so if you need a hug, Ben and I can hook you up. Um, But no, those are the things that Solomon at this time, he's measuring. Meaningful relationships with tears and laughter and joy and dancing and embracing. Solomon is really contrasting the list that he amassed in chapter 2 of the things that didn't lead to this. And he's saying, hey, there's a season. And in this season, these are the things that I measure. These are the things that have high meaning and value. And have great meaning. And so I want to close with this. This last question for you in your life. As you started with assess what is meaningful in your life, I want you to close with the idea of what are you measuring? In your life right now, what are you measuring? Are you measuring finances? Are you measuring the success of your children? Are you measuring your bank accounts? Are you measuring, um, you know, your ability to get a lot of stuff done? Are you measuring your ability not to get things done? Are you measuring the lives in your, the lies that are in your life that you've believed over and over and over? And is that where you're finding your most meaning and purpose and value? And measuring the things that people are saying to you. Are you measuring truth? Are you measuring deep relationship? Are you measuring joy and worship? Pain. But in that, in all those times, in death, in in, uh, building up and tearing down, in all those things, are you measuring the beauty that God has? Are you trusting in the faith of what God will produce in those seasons in your life? Or are you just measuring your ability to cope? measuring your ability to uh, survive through those seasons. Let's pray. Worship band, you can come up.